Welcome to the podcast, our exploration into the world of entertainment. My name is Robert Oshist, and with me is Dale Hamstra. How are you doing tonight, Dale? Oh, you know, I'm here with you, so I guess, yeah. <sighs> Whoa, come on, nobody? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding around. I'm good. I'm good, Rob. How are you? I tr- I'm, I'm happy because... Offended, I hope. Uh, I'm... <laughs> I live in a permanent state of being offended all the time. Not because I'm a sensitive person, just because people go out of their way to offend me like you do. Well, yeah. I mean, I only lived with you for three years. You learn. And and in that time, how many times did you offend me? Every day. Three times a day. (sighs) Yep. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Whenever I came home to eat. (laughs) Exactly. That time you woke up on the couch and asked me what year it was. Good times. That time. Yeah. Good days. I was offended you didn't tell me what year it was. I think I just laughed. It's a long time ago, Rob. Uh, a long time ago in a Guardians of the Galaxy far away? Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Oh, I'll make horrible puns every day, Dale, because today <laughs> we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yes. 2. So we're saving the galaxy again? Yep. Awesome! We're really going to be able to jack up our prices for two-time Galaxy Savers. Yes, it's our way-too-late review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, sort of a tradition on the show now that we review things way too late. It's not way, way too late. It just came out maybe four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, just a month ago. No big deal. But as a it, instead of Power Rangers, which got out of the theaters in a month, this one's still yeah. going strong. <laughs> Yeah, probably because it's making so much money. It has been making a darn load of money, Dale. But you know what? Before we get into that, what what is Guardians of the Galaxy? Tell me, tell me what this movie is about, Dale. Uh, well, the exact words that I said to you right before we started this podcast um, was "Star Lord finds his dad, and he's upset about it." Deep and dramatic storytelling, Dale. <laughs> Surprisingly, not what it said on the movie poster. Um, really? That, if you want, the, like, there's not the, just like Chris Pratt sitting like sad Keanu on a park bench. No, with you could his probably dad. Make that though, I guarantee you could make that. I I could. Do you I want know. me to? Sure. All right, it'll Do be it. it'll be up you before won't. this episode's out. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the actual like legit tagline from the movie studio is: "The Guardians must fight to keep their newfound family together." as they unravel the mystery of Peter Quill's true parentage. Yeah, that was parentage a, a daring a part on the... Uh, yeah, the, the studio's part using parentage. Yeah. yeah. Heredity? Yeah, yeah. Like... Yeah. It's their own choice. Genealogy. Whatever. Sure. Or even just his true dad. <laughs> or daddy. Mm-hmm. Daddy-o. His true daddy. Yeah, his true daddy-o. <laughs> So yeah, this was uh, this was directed by James Gunn, who I was surprised to find uh, did the live action Scooby Doo movies, aka the best movies, period ever made. <laughs> period. Oh yeah, ever best <laughs> movies ever made and uh, best part of the Scooby Doo IP in the world. Obviously, I mean, I was a fan of that one where they were on the zombie island. Well, I mean, who isn't? Come on, that's probably the best. Like, alright, so if we're going to separate it, like, the best hand-drawn one, but obviously it's nothing compared to the live-action ones. No, I mean, come on. All you people out there, I know you've seen the Scooby-Doo movie, and also the second one. You know so, it's good, you just don't want to admit it. 
Maybe they've actually seen Dawn of the Dead, which was also a screenplay written by James Gunn, or perhaps Super, which he directed. Or Mm -hmm. maybe, for our video game fans that also listen to the show, he was a writer on Lollipop Chainsaw. Yes, so we don't want you to think that he only did Scooby-Doo, because he did do other things. No, but arguably this is maybe the second thing that he did that was really, really big. I would say it's second below Mm -hmm. Dawn of the Dead. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Counting the zeroth permanent first place of Scooby-Doo, obviously. Well, I mean, that's a given. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <sighs> yeah, and then I just wanted to call out, because I'm, I'm going to be talking about him later, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, dir- dir- uh, the director of photography, Henry Braham? 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 That's what I would say. Henry Braham? B-R-A-H-A-M. He if did. you know how to pronounce that, let us know. <laughs> he did a fantastic job here. Henry. He, good old good old Hank. Good old <laughs> good old Hansel. Henry Bram. <laughs> he only the only other notable work he did was the live action remake of Legend of Tarzan in 2016. I did not see it. I I had no desire to, but no, me neither. It landed him this thing. You know what? Hey, I mean, I'm sure he's not complaining. I'm sure he took home a big chunk of money. No, and you know, the the upper management in this movie did a fantastic job with it. Like Dale, I wanna I wanna tell you, the story of this was nothing special, but it was a fun movie. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, the story uh, was definitely a little bit cliched, and it definitely got a little cheese ball, especially near the end, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that takes away from the fact that it is a a really good movie. No, and so I'm not going to go through all the actors in this Mm -hmm. movie because this this movie almost wandered into that territory that that you know I hate of when a superhero movie has too many characters. Right. It it just it has so many characters still. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, I think it's hard to get around uh, not having a lot of characters when, you know, it's about a group of people. You're right. It's a it's a group of, of space miscreants, from yeah. what I understand. And so, Dale, yes. I went into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 without having seen the first one. Yeah, I guess that's important to mention. Uh, you did not see the first one. Also important to mention, while I'm thinking about it, uh, spoilers in this episode. <laughs> A little bit. We're going to be talking so. about the beginning, the end. And the middle, even. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't it be great if yeah, we were... Yeah, you went into this one com- completely blind. Wouldn't it be great if we just talked about this movie? Like, they started by fighting a giant squid monster, and then by the end, I think he kills yeah. his own dad. <laughs> and that's really end all I remember. podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming. See you next time, guys. We'll be talking about yeah. the beginning <laughs> and end of some other thing. Yeah. <laughs> Next week we listen to the first and last track of an album. Yeah, you know who needs to listen to the middle part? <sighs> Not us. No. Mm-mm. But uh, no, the the movie had a lot of characters in it, and I didn't see yes. the first one. Can you give mm-hmm. the viewers who may be like me a, a very quick, like two second synopsis of the first one? No, you can't. Uh, well, I mean, the, the way that they meet each other, I guess, is probably what you're getting at, is uh, they all meet in space jail and break out of space jail. That's all you really need to know. That's how they meet, essentially. It's, it's... Uh, Groot and Rocket Raccoon already knew each other. 
Really? Beforehand, yeah. Hmm. They were buddies. Buddies, old, old pals. Okay. Crime buddies, they call them in space. Oh, they don't call them space buddies? No, no, no. no. It's a common misnomer. <laughs> so these, these that what, what were they, crime buddies? Crime buddies, yeah. These crime buddies, by this movie, as I understand it, have gone from being crime buddies to hero buddies. Yes. And yes, they have. But they still enjoy crime once in a while. <laughs> Very much the, the miscreants. They, they are still sort of criminals. And they, they, it's a motley crew of a bunch of colorful characters. And I think in this movie, the standout is Drax, played by Batista. Yep, yep. David Batista, his real name. Uh, former WWE superstar. Plays Drax. And he does a fantastic job, by the way. He played him in the first one, too. Um, but yeah, he does an absolutely fantastic job, especially considering he doesn't really have that many major acting credits to his name. No, not at all. Like, besides WWE, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He played uh, a role in Spectre, the James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And he was in Smallville at some point? Yeah, he was in a couple episodes way back when as a bad guy. He, he, he makes a good-looking bad guy. He's a big dude. He is quite large. But... Besides SmackDown and those couple of roles, he he doesn't have a larger acting resume, and we actually found an interview with him, right? And Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, go ahead. So, obviously in WWE, not to crush any dreams right now, but there's a lot of acting involved in it. What? I know. I'm sorry. There's a lot of acting involved in the WWE. So, it's not, you know, obscene to think that that might translate over. To screen acting. Sure. And uh, something Batista said is, uh, and I quote, I thought since I had done on-camera stuff in WWE, this was going to be the same. That it would be the same stuff. But then I realized, I am fucking bad at this, man. And I caught the bug there. And the beautiful thing about it, right? Batista realizes that, I don't want to say real acting, but acting for the screen, we'll say, is difficult. Sure, it's very different. But he he went full force and attacked it, and I really think that all of the hard work, all the acting lessons that he did paid off in, in these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he plays a really good part. I mean, he is, his character is essentially comic relief, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? There's the main reason for his character to exist. But he also kind of has a serious side. You can get a background out of him. He's not just that funny guy in the corner yes he's he's probably you know dale when i was talking to you about this earlier you and i were talking about this movie after we'd seen it and i said there really aren't any characters in this movie that are are grounded but after a while i thought about it and i thought drax is probably the most grounded like character in the entire movie Mm -hmm. he's the one that even though he has a rough past he's the most most at home with it he's okay with it yes and in Batista playing this role, he's able to play a comedic character that can ground all the other characters and bring them back to Earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, sometimes somebody needs to tell you that you look hideous. Who's going to do it? Drax. Probably Drax. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Sometimes he needs to mock you when you know you're at your lowest point because he needs to tell you that you're at your lowest point. Yes. Who's that going to be? Well, who else? Drax. I mean, come on. Yes. There's uh, 
from the first movie that I know you didn't see, mm-hmm. there's a, a really good scene with him where uh, Rocket Raccoon is explaining to uh, Star-Lord that his particular race of people don't understand like sarcasm or like witty remarks or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it ends with uh, him saying, you know, anything will go right over his head. Mm-hmm. And Batista turns around and says, nothing would go over my head. I have fantastic reflexes. I would catch it. <sighs> and that's a great character building line that transfers over to the second one. In my opinion. How so, what, what do you what do you uh, what do you think still went went through to, to capture this <laughs> this ambivalence to the human condition, mm-hmm. Dale? What what scene did Drax have that you think really captured that? Oh, when he's talking about uh, talking to Bug Lady. Mantis? About how sad he is about his, his family. Is that the question that you asked? Yeah, sure. I forget. <laughs> I thought you were going to go on to describe the scene, honestly. I was like, yeah, go, well, I, I thought to myself, I don't, I don't remember particularly what they talked about. <laughs> he talks about how, how sad he is that he misses his wife and his daughter, and his daughter got like married by a nice lake, like the ones they're looking at, right? Yeah. That's the way it goes. It's been a while since I saw this movie. I saw it opening weekend. <laughs> you saw it like a week ago. I was busy moving. Ethan helped me lift yeah, a couch. No, I know. I believe you. And then he helped me lift another couch. And then that that second couch, we then moved into my apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, moving couches is hard. Turns out they're pretty heavy. That's, that's why me and Ethan got it. Isn't that right, Ethan? Yeah. He calls himself the Tetris Master. It's a shame nobody else does. <laughs> Oh, sad rap air horn for Ethan. Another great role that I think was was played well in this movie, Dale, is uh, it, it's just really a fun fact. Vin Diesel, mm. the star of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> yes. And Triple X. Yep. Played Groot, the large tree person, the sentient tree. Yes. And he reprised his role in this movie as Baby Groot. Mm-hmm. Yes, because Groot uh, sacrifices himself at the end of the first one. Spoilers. And uh, doesn't completely die. Has like a sapling that's still around and they plant it and he kind of grows into a baby. It's very adorable. But the thing is, Groot had a very deep voice, which Vin Diesel is accustomed to doing. Mm-hmm. But Baby Groot has a very high voice. Right. But Vin Diesel's apparently accustomed to doing that, too. Yeah, yeah, you sent me this video. And, uh, he can get his voice up there. I'll tell you what. Ethan, I'm gonna... Kind of surprising. I'm gonna send you a quick clip. You mind, uh, mind playing Vin Diesel singing in a really high voice? Yep. That's hard to believe, right? That's him. Yeah, they, I I guess they had to do very little, if any at all, like modifications to his voice before they actually put it in the movie. And he gets a secret script, right? Because all Groot says is, I am Groot. 
Right. But the director, James Gunn, gives him a secret script that instead of saying I am Groot, has all of the meanings of what his I am Groot say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's important, you know, he's got to say it with the right uh, emphasis and, you know, the right... He's got he's to have that passion behind it. Do you, do you think you could do it, Dale? Probably not. No, hold on. Uh, give me sad I am Groot. See, I can't do it. <laughs> impossible. It's 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 literally impossible. Who do you think I am, Vin Diesel? I must have gotten the two of you confused. You look so similar. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's bald. I have hair. <laughs> he's old. I'm not. He's buff. I'm not. He's rich. You're not. We almost look exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. Uh. So. So like we said, there's there's a lot of just characters in this movie because it is a team of miscreants in space that then is is like going through and meeting all these characters. But I, I wanna I wanna kinda dive into the movie itself, Dale. Sure. I've had problems with so many movies where they feel visually flat. Yes. This movie was brimming with character. Like Mm-hmm. Almost the entire movie had so much like color and personality and just fantastic visual design. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. It was just all the alien races and there were so few human characters in this movie. Yeah, technically there's only one human character. You know you're right, isn't isn't that true? Just yeah. uh, the others are just like humanoid. Star Lord's the only human character, right? And Star- unless you count the uh, the cutaways to Earth that happened a couple times in the movie, but nah, nah. so Star Lord, the the mm-hmm. main character played by Chris Pratt, he's the only human. Yes, half human technically. And then we got Rocket Raccoon, who's a who's a talking raccoon. Yes, a trash panda. Some call them. There's. Drax played by Batista, which was covered in sick red and black tattoos. Yes. And what were the other ones? Oh, well, you got Gamora, the, the the daughter of Thanos, who is the overarching bad guy of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Yondu is is his race a Reaver, or is that just his alliance? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's just his alliance. It is. It's just his alliance. Yeah. But he's like I thought. So I don't know what race he is, but he's a blue guy. Super bright blue though, like Yeah. Like bluer than the ocean. He's very blue. He has a sick mohawk. Um not a real one, but a, like a robot mohawk thing, which sounds really cool when you say it. Um Hi, my name's Yondu. I don't know if you noticed, but I have a sick robot mohawk. It controls an arrow. <laughs> it, it does. It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> uh, Nebula is Gamora's sister. Mm-hmm. She's uh, a prominent bad guy in the first one, but kind of, I don't know. She's kind of a bad guy in this one too, but also kind of buddies up. Well, she, Nebula sort of plays this, this annoyance character, right? Like, yes, everybody's just trying to get the main it. plot done. And Nebula has her own subplot that just keeps intersecting with the main plot. Yeah, no, that's a really good way to explain it, I think. It's, it's, she's like the paprika 
of the of the plot. You know, you you're just eating the meal, and then suddenly, ooh, ooh, it's spicy. It's a spicy nebula. Yes, exactly like that. Sure. You you never no, no you're not liking. No no we'll go along with it. That's fine. Okay. I totally agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I f- your dad was a cook, and you're telling me you never had paprika in a meal before. Surprise you? Of course I've had paprika in a meal before. Who do you, who do you think I am? Someone who hasn't eaten good food. <sighs> I got confused there for a second. <laughs> Give me uh, so, and then there was one more. There was one more thing that stuck out in my mind as far as character Taserface? design went. Taserface. It wasn't Taserface. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, although Taserface was also designed interestingly. I was gonna say the sovereign race of people. Yeah, I figured as much. No Taser. So, no, the Taserface is not. I want to talk about what, colors. He's not a character. Like, no, he's not not a character. He's just got a bad name, and he's uninteresting to me. Fair enough. No, the sovereign race, right? So they are yes. the the like secondary antagonists in this movie. Mm-hmm. Right, and they are all gold. Yes, and again, very very gold, super gold. Their hair is gold. Yes, their irises mm-hmm. are gold. Yep, their skin's gold. Their everything is gold. It's if they can make it gold, they're gonna do it. Yes, absolutely. And they just... It, how would you describe their personalities as a group of people, Dale? Um, I'm better than you, and I know it. They're, they're just... Essentially? Th- yeah, they're just so headstrong. <laughs> yeah. And, That's a better word for what I said. Well, the the way that I put it, right, is that this race of people crave perfection while being completely mm-hmm. imperfect yeah and that's a really good way to put it I think the 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 there's just something so beautiful to me about it's sort of like I'm gonna make the weirdest metaphor here you know Johnny really? Bravo Dale yes of course I know Johnny Bravo <laughs> you know how he thought he was the hottest thing and everyone mm-hmm. else knew he wasn't yes Sovereign racist Johnny Bravo is the whole race of Johnny Bravos. That's dangerous. A whole race of them. Yeah. What what would happen? Probably this movie. <laughs> so 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 it kind of kicks off from the the guardians stealing from the sovereigns, right? Yeah. So I mean, the whole start of the movie is that the sovereigns hired the guardians to defeat this octopus monster. Yes, some Japanese tentacle thing. Yeah, yeah. And defend these generators, or defend these batteries, or something like that. Um, and whatever, you know, they do it. They do a good job. Yay, good job. Uh, but their their love for thieving sneaks in, and Rocket steals a few batteries. No. Just a couple. Not that many. Just a few. A handful. But it turns out they're worth, like, a ton of space bucks on the open market. Completely outrageous amount of space bucks. Yeah, like a lot of space bucks. You could spend a whole day um, at Blitz and Chits with these space bucks. <laughs> it's true, you know. Um, but it turns out, believe it or not, the sovereign people figured it out. Figured out that they stole some batteries. Not happy about it. So they send, like, I don't know, a couple hundred fighter jets after them. Well, I say fighter jets, but you know you know what I mean. They're, they're like drone X-wings. Yeah. 
Yeah, because they don't actually pilot them from them. They they do it like in an arcade cabinet. You know, which like, is pretty cool. Like Blitz and I, have to, I have to say. Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. Yeah, and you were telling me how how much you like that, and I thought that was another key into making this universe have a lot of personality. No, because like describe the room to me, because the room was really cool. Yep. So it's basically this giant room with just a bunch of little seats and screens in it. A gold room, obviously. Because <laughs> um, why wouldn't it be? Yeah, right. With Aisha, who is their uh, high priestess, or I don't know if she's like a leader. Per- I guess she is a leader, but I don't know if she's like, quote unquote, the leader. No, but because anyway. if we were to skip ahead to the end of the movie, I remember that uh, like an assistant of hers came in and was like, yo, the big, big wigs, the emperors aren't going to yeah. be happy. You wasted all of their space bucks destroying a whole bunch of spaceships. Yeah, no, I yeah, know you're right. Uh, but anyway, so she's like overlooking all of it and they have all these people basically playing arcade machines piloting like fighters it's one of those things where i when i was watching this film it was the closest thing to cartoon whimsy that i think i have seen in a long time right and okay this arcade room is just one of those things because like if i was a kid i would think and i still do but i'm I'm obviously not like woo we i would be like wow an entire room of just VR arcade cabinets, that's pretty mm-hmm. sick, you know? Yeah. And to be fair, it is still pretty sick. So they're, they're fighting, mm-hmm. whatever, fighting stuff. And uh, Star-Lord, he's fighting with Rocket Raccoon about who should be controlling the ship. Mm-hmm. Very important. So they decide to go through a quantum asteroid field. As a physicist, it just it makes me so upset. Like, that's not how yeah, any of that I would know. work ever. Yeah, well, it's space. Space is crazy, you know that. Uh. (laughs) No, it's not crazy enough to have all of the mass in an asteroid spontaneously pop around, let alone all of them. What if they pop into each other? What if, I don't know, like, why didn't... Then that's when the magic happens. What do you want from me? (laughs) Like, but imagine if if one of the asteroids just popped in the middle of a ship. Just, Just like, boop. That's why you don't drive through the quantum asteroid field. Oh, yeah, and I forgot the, like, skill somehow separates them from being able to... So, the whole thing with, with, like, particles that pop in and out of existence, just particles now, right? Sorry, I need to get on my physics soapbox here. Uh Uh-huh, sure, go for it. They're... They're probabilistic. You can't know where the asteroids are going to be. If you go into that asteroid field... Like, in the movie's logic, they could just be inside you in one instant. Like, just d- dead. It was weird. And kids, that's why suspension of disbelief <laughs> is a thing in movies. Remember, anyway, Rob's inner child only peeks out. It's also in yeah. a tiny, tiny box. Yes, exactly. So anyway, they get through the asteroid field. And uh, only one sovereign gets through it. All the all the rest uh, explode in there. And uh, I only bring this up because I know you particularly liked this little scene, Rob. Oh, I did. And uh, they're all huddled around the one the one guy who's left. And you know, and he eventually crashes. And everyone gets all gets all like, "Man, you suck." And that's the even though you're clearly the best out of all of us, you suck. That's the beautiful thing about it. Like they're they're so all about this like mentality of their race is the supreme race so much better than everyone else's they're painted gold for the love of god 
And then there's this this pilot who's obviously a master pilot, and they all disband him almost instantly. Yeah, yeah. It's like so much like for I, that. Uh, you suck. That group mentality, guys. Good job. Yeah, but I I, I do want to make sure I, I I frame this right, Dale. It was mm-hmm. beautiful writing. It just made the yeah. entire race so perfect. Yes, I 100% agree with you. It was very well done. And it turns out it didn't really matter anyway because they just like phased in a hundred more right after that. That's why suspension of disbelief, Dale. Yeah. Come on. Exactly. It's very, again, kids, very, very important when you're watching movies. <laughs> suspension of disbelief. Google it if you have to. Pl- pay attention to the plot, but not so close that you start analyzing it. Yeah. Exactly. If you if you analyze it too much, every single movie is going to be bad. All of them. <laughs> Every single one. I that's why this particular episode I'm I'm gonna try to step back a little, Dale, because like originally I came out of this movie being like still not as good as Logan, and I'm like, gotta yeah. I gotta I gotta get off Logan's high horse. And hey, again, Logan, fantastic movie. Probably the best superhero movie I've ever seen. But not every movie has but, to be that. <laughs> exactly. You get it now. I'm really happy. So through through a series <laughs> Thanks, Dale. I learned yeah, from you're you. Welcome. Oh, thanks. I do have a film degree, technically. I forgot about that. You do have film in your yeah. degree title, don't you? Yeah, my degree says film on it. It's pretty cool. Radio, TV, and film. Yes. I have I was in a few film classes in my day. Boys and girls, listen to Dale's opinion. I, I just can't... <laughs> Listen to me about quantum asteroids and listen to Dale about literally everything else in the movie. I'll take that. I'll take it. So we're introduced to another character to be to be stacked on top of this bundle of characters, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. His name is Ego. Yes. We don't know that yet at this point in the movie, but yes. What a horrible name. And yeah, well, no, it's it's a comic book problem. It's not a yeah. it's not a movie yeah. problem. Yeah. There's only so many things the writers can solve by, like, waving their hands. This this eventual villain, which you can obviously tell by the name, is named Ego. Yes. And he's... He's a god? Question mark? I guess. So, like, how did he describe himself, Dale? He's, uh, so he's a celestial... Which, what I gather from the movie is not just him, but, like, a race of people. Or at least a collection of people, like a handful of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that for sure. Again, full disclosure, I did not read any of the Gardens of the Galaxy comic books, so I don't don't know. But the way that what I got from the movie is that uh, it's a collect, at at the very least, a collection, minimum three people. Right. Sure. Why not? We'll just put a lower limit yeah. on it, guys. Like, th- there's yeah, three exactly. of them at like, least. At least three, minimum. And because if it was only two, he would have called out the other one probably by name, right? Oh, you're right. There's only one other one. So yeah, so because it's got to be at least three. It's me, ego, and my friend Phil. We're both yeah, practically and my buddy guns. Bob. You know, <laughs> yeah. Bob's the third guy. Yeah. <laughs> ego, Phil, so, Bob, all gods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I, I guess he's technically not. A god. He's not like omnipresent, right? He doesn't know everything about everything, right? Because we he doesn't control everything that's happening all the time. We were kind of working out his powers, you and me, because like the one the one thing that you and I noticed when we were talking about this movie, right, is that yeah, 
he phrased what he is as some people would call me a celestial, which yes. makes me think that in the Marvel Cinemagraphic Universe, right, mm-hmm. it could be other people. And he's obviously not omnipresent because he was searching for Star-Lord. Right. If you were God-God, you'd just be like, oh, there he is. Right. My universe, my rules. Exactly. So he has, I guess he can, what, grow and control some organic matter Mm -hmm. is his deal. At least what I gathered from it. Yeah, it needs to be within a proximity of his his like true being, which is yeah. like a floating brain. <laughs> yes. And and so like from if Futurama. he's if he's what? Like from Futurama. Oh, it is like in Futurama. Yes. Thank God, I have a meme to make. <laughs> I was trying oh, to good. find pictures of the brains from that one Jimmy Neutron episode. Yes, also like that, I guess. Yeah, without eyeballs, though. So, like, it, the Futurama reference is really the, the main one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so if he's near his brain self, he can manipulate matter. Right. But if he's not, he's kind of like a weakened god. He can only do some stuff. Right. Yes. That's what I get from it. Essentially. And so he says that he's Star-Lord's daddy. Yes. And and thus we get into the the crux of the story. So Dale, you mm. said the story was cheesy. Can you kind of can you kind of bring this home for me? Why was this movie cheesy? Yeah. So yeah, the story was kind of cheesy because essentially it's like in the beginning he's kind of sulking because he doesn't know who his dad is and he's sad about it. Star-Lord. And then he finds out who his dad is and he's happy about it. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out his dad's evil, and he's sad about it. And then he fights his dad. And then that's the end of the movie. Well, no, and then he so, also again, finds like, out that he really loved his adopted dad. Oh, right, yes. He, and he really loves his adopted dad, who is Yondu. And, and again, there's justification behind that. I still think it's kind of kind of weird, but there is justification behind it where it's like, oh, okay, he, he could have brought me to die, but didn't. And we'll get more into that in a second, but... Yeah, so if you could, Dale, right? I, I didn't yeah. ask you for this before, but I, I just want to flesh this out now. How mm-hmm. big of a villain was Yondu in the first movie? Because I got from his introduction in this movie that he was yeah. obviously a bad guy of some sort at some point in time. Yeah. But yeah, if so you were to ask me, who do you think in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was the main bad guy of the first one? I would not have said Yondu. Sure. So I guess he probably wasn't the main bad guy. Again, Thanos would be considered the main one. And uh, also his little minion, whose name just escapes, escapes me right now. I can look at uh, Ronin, I believe. Ronin mm-hmm. is the main bad guy. But he kind of hires Yondu, if I'm not mistaken, to go and find Star-Lord mm. and get them. But he ends up raising them. Well, that's way back in the day. So, like, when he goes and picks them up from Earth, mm. that's uh, Ego. Ego was the one that told Yondu to pick him up from Earth and then bring him to his planet so he could hatch his evil plan. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. But Yondu had done that like 20 times previous with 20 of his other kids. Which we learned And realized, oh wait, yes, oh wait, he's just, 
killing them. Yeah, so the the movie evolves again. We'll we'll concentrate on the main plot, right? The movie evolves yep. by the ego is like ingratiating himself to Star Lord. Yes, and he then says like, "Oh man, I loved your mom. She was she was super great." He's got a giant moving statue montage of how much he loved his mom, which was weird. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It was, but like, like I said, he has like seven billion kids out there minimum. Well, that's so he's got to be ready. That's the thing. So the weird, the weird part is after he goes on this whole thing of loving his mom, right? And then the evil mm-hmm. plan gets gets displayed. Like, yeah, I wanna. I've been alone in the universe, and I f- I figured like I mused for millions of years, and I figured out what my plan is. I'm gonna mm-hmm. kill everybody. Yeah, and. And he goes, yeah, I loved your mom, but I also had sex with, like, every other species of woman that I could stick my penis in. Essentially, yes, that is that is what happened. And he, the weird and thing... And he went to all of their planets and planted some weird plant in the ground. Wink. Yes, exactly. Well, he did, he did impregnate them as well. Yes, he but did. But they were, it's, like, it's very important. celestial stillborns in the fact that they were children but they weren't half celestial like star lord is right they didn't get the genes no you know those earth people you know they got the they got the stuff i've heard you got the stuff you know what i mean i've got a thing or two yeah you have a real cool penis (laughs) yeah it's all right did you find that weird that scene because like this this movie right i mentioned that it was like childish and fun yeah, but they talked about penises a whole lot in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, it's it's not really a kids movie. I mean, granted, kids are going to see it. There were a good number of kids in the theater that I saw it in. Yeah, yeah. But uh, to be fair here, just because there's kids in a movie theater doesn't make it a kids movie. No, I you remember know? I was like twelve kids, when I saw Terminator Two. Right, exactly. It's not a kids movie just because you saw it when you were a kid. I mean, this this movie, despite who goes to it, is really targeted to people our age, you know, in their early 20s. Which I guess puts it in a hard spot to market, right? Because, like... Yes. On the one hand, right, you remember... So, when Ego picks up the Guardians, they had just crashed on a planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket Raccoon, Groot, and Nebula were repairing the ship. And Yondu comes in with his crew to try to abduct them. And I remember Mm. this scene in particular was when I realized it was cartoony. Rocket Raccoon had put traps all around the spaceship. Yes. And they included these, like, anti-gravity bombs that, like, threw people in the air. Yes. And at one point, uh, old, old Henry orchestrated a shot where you saw the guys fly in the air, stop for a second, and then fall back down to Earth really quickly. And this was, like, popping up. Yes. All in the jungle and stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point I was like, that's exactly what you'd see in a cartoon. Yes. Three scenes later, they're talking about penises. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. I just don't know if you could say, well, this one scene is something like a cartoon, so... Gotta be for kids, right? Yeah, yeah. At the same time, if, if they really are targeting people our age, they're not stupid. They know that we were watching cartoons not ten years ago. 
you know you're right yeah no for sure and I- our our generation cares about nostalgia more than anybody else and I mean, I did appreciate. It. Like, I recognized it, and it gave me a smile. Mm-hmm. Like, did did you right. enjoy that whole trap laying scene? I did. I did. I thought that was a good scene. I don't really think there were too many poor scenes in the entire movie, to be fair. But that was a particularly good one. No, and you know, so the other thing, right? If we're going to talk about weird sexuality, there was actually an entire like hedonistic planet that they visit in the beginning of the movie that Yondu's kind of just hanging out on. Yes, and. It was yes, filled the with robot prostitute planet. Yeah, filled with hooker robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and and it's it, it's especially funny too because the sovereign went there, who are like the perfect race. Yeah, but they're they're like laying out a carpet to I guess keep from the filthy masses that are there. Mm-hmm. But they can't roll the carpet out fast enough for the for Aisha to walk on it, <laughs> so she's taking little baby steps. Uh, it was uh, so. Hold on, I just want to. I want to call out. I know we didn't talk about all the actors, but it was. And I apologize for saying her name wrong. If I do, but Elizabeth Dynbicki, she did a great job as the high priestess. Yes, she did. Fantastic. Everything from like the opening scene where we talked about them finding out that they stole the batteries to you talked about Taserface before. Do you want to describe the, yeah. how Taserface dies? So at one point, Taserface uh, th- successfully throws a coup over Yondu and takes over his reaver ship and, his, and all that, his crew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they capture Yondu and Groot and, Ra- and Ra- uh, Rocket Raccoon. Racket Raccoon. And uh, Yeah, Racket Raccoon. You know the one. Um, and they, whatever, they figure out a way to break out and kill almost everybody. Except Taserface. for Taserface. Except for Taserface, yes. Uh, Taserface ends up caught in a fire. By his own doing, he tries to make the entire ship explode. And uh, he goes and he calls the Sovereign. And he says, I want... I, when you catch them, I want you to let them know that it was Taserface who sealed their fate or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she just dies laughing. Because... <laughs> the whole joke was like that. Why the heck would he be called Taserface? But it's great because even the race that's supposed to be like we're very, we're very calm, we're very well put together. Mm-hmm. Your name's Taserface. Yeah. <laughs> it just she acted it so well, and it felt so genuine. Yes, it was. It was really good. But that that was a running joke for about fifteen minutes, where it's like really Taserface. What do you shoot? tasers out of your face and Dale we were I I was really happy because this movie was funny like it had good comedy in it and I know you also appreciated the comedy a lot what besides like besides taser face and the hooker plant are there any other scenes that you remember in your mind as being like standout hilarious uh well there was every time Drax talked to uh Mantis Mm -hmm. except for the one serious one was pretty funny um you know where i tried to let you down easy by telling you were hideous but (laughs) i guess that didn't work because the the great thing about the the drax mantis interaction is that mantis is a a humanoid that feels emotions through through physical contact but she's only been in contact with ego ego picked her up when she was like a, a a weird bug thing and then grew her into a woman so she's never been in contact with anyone else right and that meets Drax 
the warrior killer who doesn't understand human emotion. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. It's it's fun. And then uh, near the end, when uh, Rocket Raccoon needs tape, Star-Lord's just trying to find some tape for him, you know, in the middle of a giant fight. Yes. Hey, Gamora, you have any tape? Okay. Yondu. Yondu. You have any tape? All right. Hey, Drax. You got any tape? Yeah, scotch tape works. Well, why'd you say anything if you don't have any? Oh, it was so good. It was. and Very, very well done. And again, the the cinematography by, by Henry, right? So good because mm-hmm. instead of showing Star-Lord like frantically running around to all these people, the camera just stayed on Rocket Raccoon sitting with the bomb yep. just being like, doop to doo waiting for... Sp- <laughs> Meanwhile, this moon-sized planet is falling apart. There's a giant electricity monster destroying everything. Like, guns are firing. He's just like, really could use some tape. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so yes, this this movie handled uh, humor really, really well, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yes, I I completely agree. It was it was funny. It was honest. It it rarely felt forced. If anything, the only thing that I would say to to knock the comedy was it felt a little committee designed. But even so, still funny to me. Yeah, no, I can I can get on board with that. I can agree with you on that one. And and get out the medals, Dale. I okay. can't remember a single fart joke. Uh, I don't think there were any. <sighs> wow. I don't think so. No. Guys, guys, we did it. We made it through an entire <laughs> comedy without a fart joke. There's still writing in this world. God, that's, that's sad that we have to applaud that. It, I know. It's sad. I mean, coming off going in style where a guy peed himself, I was like, there you go. Yeah. That's... That's where we're at in comedy right now, and, the, and Guardians of the Galaxy just pulled me right out of that, Dale. They, they brought me back up and got me some air, you know? And I'm really happy for you. So, the, the movie is this, this conglomeration of all of the characters sort of finding their place and realizing that after being some goons that met in prison, they are actually meaningful friends with each other. And... The ending of the movie is sort of this climactic battle with Star-Lord using his half-celestial powers to defeat Ego, the the god monster that he is. And I mean, right. Would, how how was the ending for you? Did did you enjoy it? You I mean, I know this is where you said it went full cheese. Do you think it could have gone better? Yeah. So, yeah, it it, it. I don't know how to make it better, so I'm not even going to touch that. Mm. But it did get a little cheesy. And again, it's not like that's the worst thing in the world. But yeah, I mean, right from the beginning of that fight was when it started. Like, um, originally, Star-Lord was totally on board with this whole destroy the universe thing. Mm. Right? He got sweet-talked into it, totally on board with it. Until Kurt Russell, or Ego, Mm. was like, shame I had to... Put that tumor on your mom's head. What? He was like, well, <laughs> hold on a second. And then, you know, by magic, he gets... Uh, uh, whatever. Knocked out of it. Well, yeah, because Ego and, had put uh, some sort of, like, slight mind control spell on him because he had, like, stars in his eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he kind of gets knocked out of it. And then they fight. And then, you know, he wins. Surprise, surprise. And... uh Yondu dies mm-hmm. 
in the fight. Yes. Saving Star-Lord. Yes. Because essentially what it was was everyone escaped on a spaceship except Star-Lord who is still fighting Ego on, on Ego's planet. And then Yondu was like, my kid, I got to save him. And he goes yeah, down, flies much. to him, puts the only space suit on him, and then flies into space and freezes to death. Yes. Yes, that is what happens. And he dies. And then he uh, he has his funeral and he gets shot off into space, you know, like like you do when you're in space. Um, and then all, all of his Reaver buddies show up, who had previously disowned him in the movie. Mm-hmm. They show up and they start, you know, clapping for him. Sylvester Stallone is there. He's happy. Which... By the way, right, speaking of cameos, I had no idea Sylvester Stallone was going to be in this movie. And James Gunn so seamlessly put him in this movie that I thought he was in the first one. He was not. It surprised me. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he he actually told the, uh, I think it was the Chicago Sun, is that... Mm -hmm. James Gunn said his plan is to see more of Stallone in the movie. He says, I'm not sure about Stallone being in volume three per se. We'll have to see about that. But our plan is to see more of Stallone. Which I'm like, he's a 70 year old. He's up there. Still playing like hardcore good characters. Uh. Yeah, no, he's, he's doing it, man. And uh, David Hasselhoff was in it for like thirty seconds. Yeah, he made a cameo in a in a swimsuit. Apparently, like Star Lord's ideal father was David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Yeah, Star Lord lied to people and told them that David Hasselhoff was his father, and he didn't have one. He continued to tell that to people in space prison, despite yeah. no one knowing who David Hasselhoff is. Yes, yes, it's beautiful, isn't it? So. Ugh. The the Reaver funeral before we before we get too far yes. off track. Sure. Oh yeah, that's where it got super cheesy because you know they all show up and they all start shooting fireworks and it pans to each different ship and each captain does their little salute thing and it's like all right, I get it. <laughs> but then they keep doing the it. salutes and you're like, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But you don't need to do that anymore. But Yondu dying brought the Reavers back together. Yeah, and that's that's fine. That's great. <laughs> Whatever. They're not that important. Real, uh, you don't have any feeling for this this beautiful bonding moment, Dale. No. You don't care that Sylvester Stallone's family's back together. No. You don't care that maybe there's gonna be yet even more characters in the next movie for me to not be able to keep track of. No, I don't care. Damn. It doesn't make a difference to me. <laughs> I mean, I get what they were going for with an an impactful ending where, oh, this character dies. And it's not like I didn't like Yondu as a character. I thought he was a really good character. And I wasn't like, like, I didn't, it's not that I didn't care that he died. Mm -hmm. I just didn't care for the way the movie ended. No, I get you. And to, it, it sort of harkened back to when Sylvester Stallone first saw Yondu on the hooker planet, right? Yeah. Yondu catches up to him, and he's like, let me be a Reaver again. 
You threw me out for trafficking children. I get that. But can I please be a reaver again? It's my only sense of identity. And Sylvester mm-hmm. Stallone makes a speech to which he says that like the, the fires of heaven will never burn at your funeral. And you would think that's some like metaphorical thing, but it literally means this huge elaborate ceremony. So I'm, I'm glad they yeah. like made consistency in the movie. But oh sure, sure. I mean that that's all well and good. But it could have been toned it's down, just cheesy, just a little that's bit. All. Yeah, exactly. Just, just exactly. a little. Because then also for some reason, like they they cremate Yondu, but he also turns into like yes. rainbow glitter. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe that's a, an alien thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you burn blue people, they just turn into rainbow glitter. <laughs> hey, who knows, man? I don't know these things. You know what we need to do? You're the physicist. If if Mystique dies in X-Men, we need to take her and do a funeral. Yeah, yeah. Write a letter to the Sony execs on that one. <laughs> if Mystique ever dies, can we ever have a glitter fire funeral? They'll write back. No. One word. <laughs> no. Damn. My dreams. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that's the way this movie ends, and... I'm, I'm harping on the ending pretty hard, but it didn't doesn't make it not a bad movie. Not even you know, a it didn't take it didn't take away enough to make it a bad movie. It's like maybe you take half a star rating off at most because of that. No, and you know, uh, and then the other endings were were like as it continued, you see that Groot is going to grow up because he went from tiny yes. plant to baby, and now he's adolescent Groot. Yes, teenage Groot. Oh, the worst Groot. <laughs> so moody Groot is. Yep. He is. Um, and then So we're also given a peek at Adam, which is apparently yes. the next villain in the Guardians of the Galaxy Mythos. Yes. I'm not familiar with him, but apparently the sovereigns are building him. Yeah, they're building him or birthing him. Something like that. Adam Warlock, if you're familiar with the, the comic books. And I'm not sure if he's going to be the bad guy in uh, the next Avengers movie, if he'll make an appearance in that, or if he'll make a, or if he'll just be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure the Avengers movie is set to come out before the next Guardians movie. I see, I see. So it's... I'm pretty sure. So it's, it's pretty much a toss-up right now of which one he could appear in. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, he'll be in another movie, but just which one? And I mean, obviously... Because the Guardians of the Galaxy will be in the next uh, Avengers movie, Ooh. for sure. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how that goes, you know? And, like, I remember seeing uh, a trailer for the next Thor movie Yeah. in the beginning of my... I'm excited for that one. I just... I couldn't... So, like, he's a gladiator fighting Hulk. It just... It really... Yeah. It confused I'm excited me. for that one. I, I, I think it'll be good. Yeah, if you're not a fan of a lot of characters, wait until the next uh, Avengers movie comes out. You're not going to be able to keep track. I'm sorry. Man. And I say that you as in Rob, not the universal you. It's... Most people will be able to figure it out. <laughs> what, I'm not as good as most people? What I'm saying, yeah. <sighs> I know it hurts, right? The truth? <laughs> Oh god, Dale, you're right. I just I just can't I don't know names. I can barely keep track of faces. I don't know what my own uncles no, you're, look like. You're, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you're pretty good with faces. I went to Names. Not so much. I went to a wedding the uh, like last year and my mom gave me a briefing before I went in. She was like, all right, here's all the people that are going to be at this wedding. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Me and Emily get to the wedding. I don't know any of these people. 
<laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Do I know you? Are you Yondu? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there, there's going to be a sequel to this movie because this movie made oh yeah bank. Yeah. So it's uh, as of today, as of recording, seven hundred and ninety-nine million dollars. Whoa. You know, just short of that eight hundred mark. Oof. Yeah, it's good, and uh, that's worldwide. It's made three hundred forty-four million domestic, and then four hundred fifty-five million foreign. And a lot of people want to ignore that foreign number, but guess what? Those are still real dollars, even if they come from different countries. I don't believe you. Yeah, hard to believe. I know, but uh, yeah, no, those those dollars still count. People tend to ignore them, though. And I mean, the movie's getting a solid B around the clock. Metacritic gave it a, a, a pretty bad a pretty bad rap. But we read yeah. the worst review. Yeah, that's all due to one really bad review that someone put on there. And <laughs> I, I forget who it was, but it was some guy out of Seattle. And he was like, yeah, every character has a problem. To which How you then said. Yes, congratulations. That's what a movie is. <laughs> the characters have problems, and then the movie is about them solving them. Or else... That's every movie ever. What was that one movie with the dude in it? Well, you're going to be more specific than that. No, no, no. Uh, the Big Lebowski. Yeah. There you go. That's a movie where... Oh, okay. That's what you meant by the dude. Okay. <laughs> the dude. I was like, who was that movie with that guy in it? No, I'm just... I don't or, know. You know what? You know what's another movie with no problem? Napoleon Dynamite. There you go. Napoleon Dynamite, I bet, yeah. I bet that guy would have loved Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> he, he probably would have. I'll have to look up his review on it. <laughs> and next week, Dale and Rob just dig through Rotten Tomatoes, finding the worst reviews and then reviewing their reviews. Oh, wow. Compelling. It'll be essentially what, uh, what are the guys who do the React channel? Oh, God. Uh, Fine, the Fine Bros. Fine Brothers. We'll essentially Fine Bros it. We'll do us reacting to other people reacting to a movie. Oh, God. That's too many levels for me. Oh well, it's too many characters too many for me. That's so. like that's like Lincoln Park reacts to teens react to Lincoln Park. Link in the description. Yeah. <laughs> so so Dale, knowing that there's going to be a yeah. future for this movie, right? Yeah. Uh huh. What 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 do you think we could look forward to? Like just postulating now, just sitting on our soapbox and postulating. Um. Well. Uh. I mean, obviously Thanos will come back in some form again. He's the overarching bad guy of every Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So he'll come back. I'm interested to see what role um, will Nebula turn into a good guy or will she continue being bad? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Find out next week on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> it's You know what I'm saying? And the, the one thing that I liked that you and I thought up, right? So Ego said that he was a celestial. Yes, not the Celestial. And that made me start thinking, will they run with the idea of other characters in the Marvel Cinemagraphic Universe being um, like these matter-manipulating gods? And I I thought to it, and I was like, I wonder if Thanos would fall under the the grouping of Celestial. I, I also said, I wonder if people would consider Vision a Celestial? Yeah, I don't know, because like I said, he's like man-made, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, well, he held Thor's hammer, that's kind of a big deal. Because he was like born of Thor's lightning or some nonsense. Yeah, I don't know. And then like... Comic books, I understand them to an extent, but there's a hard line where I stop getting it. 
Well, that's why I think most comic book movies are origin stories and why Mar the Marvel Cinemagraphic Universe is the first one to try to be anything past an origin story. Yeah. Because it gets sloppy real quick. Like, for example, yeah, we, we looked it up, right? Star-Lord's mm -hmm. mother died in the, in the Marvel movies. Died mm -hmm. to Ego giving her a brain tumor. Yes. We looked it up and through some, and again, correct us if we're wrong, fine with that, through some very light skimming mm -hmm. of the internet... In the comics, she died because aliens came to Earth and shot her. <laughs> right. A little bit different. Like, so... A little bit. So, the, there are no rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's loose rules, I would say. A couple loose ones. The characters have to have similar names. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Otherwise... So... Otherwise, who knows? <laughs> Like I said, there's a hard line yeah. where I stop getting it. <laughs> um, another one that we said, Odin. Is Odin potentially a, a celestial? And that might be a stupid question for some people who know a lot more about it than we do. But, but I mean, he was he's like mm -hmm. the Norse god, right? Yeah, and he... He, if they, if they're classifying celestials as godlike beings, like they metaphorized in this mm -hmm. movie... I'm wondering yeah. if other Marvel Universe sort of gods will be defined and have these these almost immortal states that they need to be taken down in certain ways. Because I think that could really set up an interesting sort of rule for audiences to follow. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it could get messy really quick, but... <laughs> you all have to put atomic bombs into. on the giant brains. <laughs> oh, no problem. Easy. Consider it done. God. But, uh, yeah, with the next one, we'll, we'll see. Because in the comics uh, right now, as far as I'm aware, there are more Guardians of the Galaxy than there are in the movies. Mm -hmm. Right? There's uh, uh, one called there's Bug, Major Victory, Martyr, everyone's favorite, Cosmo the, fa uh, the Space Dog, mm -hmm. or the Face Dog, either or, uh, Moon Dragon, and Jack Flag. Who is about, sounds about as American as it gets. <laughs> Besides Captain America. Second place, yeah, obviously. Well, Jack Flag. Well, you know who Jack Flag is. He's Captain America's hype man. Like, wherever Captain America Ugh. goes, Jack Flag puts flag in the ground. <laughs> See, that makes sense. Makes That's sense. That's why they need to get the so. Guardians of the Galaxy into the, the, the Avengers movies. So that way Jack mm -hmm. Flag can discover that his true meaning of life is a hype man for Captain America. That oh, makes sense. So you're, you're speaking the truth here. I have no idea who Jack Flag is. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so we'll have to see if any of them show up in, in the next movie. I'll be honest, I don't know who any of them are, but... Before this movie, no we'll one would have known who Mantis was. Yeah, that's, that's probably fair. And that, I think, is uh, a pretty good summation of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We talked about it. We laughed about it. We didn't cry about it because we're men. No, but uh, come on. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Who do you think we are? I would highly recommend seeing the movie if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. It's very, very good. Mm -hmm. um, Rob, I think you would probably say about the same thing. You should probably go see it if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you've already seen it, I mean, see it again. Hey, who's stopping you, right? Until then, though, you should probably check us out. We're on uh, SoundCloud. You can get our podcasts on the iTunes store and on the Google Play store. We've done a lot more other than just this one. Mm -hmm. Check us out on Facebook 
and uh, you know, comment on our stuff. If you see anything that you want us to talk about, let us know because we can't talk about what you want unless, uh, well, I guess unless we actually know what it is, if that's fair. But until next time, my name's Dale, and uh, the other guy is Rob, and this is Into the Podcast. <laughs>